Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Father, we just look to you. We look to you as a church, Lord. Believe that you want to speak to us today. Father, I ask that you would just help me, that you'd give me the utterance, the articulation. Lord, I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to understand what you want to say to our church today. Father God, I ask that you would give us fresh eyes and fresh vision for the new year. Lord, let us not be satisfied with the status quo. Let us not be satisfied with just keeping things the way they were. Lord, I'm asking you to even give us a divine dissatisfaction with the status quo so that we could grow in you and take on new things and new challenges, Lord, that you would increase your kingdom through us, that we would increase your influence on the earth through this church. Father God, I just look to you. Without your help, without your help, we can't do this. And without your help, I can't speak your words, Lord. I ask for utterance today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. When I was younger, um, one of the things my family used to do when we were all together is we used to play cards. Is playing cards a sin here in Tennessee? No, yes, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm confessing. Maybe this is, maybe I'm confessing today. I don't know. But it was like one of those games like bridge or spades, okay? And you know those, you can play with your family. You can sit there and play that game all night, right? You know, and as the hours go on and you're playing and, and you're in, and you're, sitting there and you're watching everybody and you've got the next card that you're going to play and you're sitting there and you've got your hand on it and you know it and you're waiting for your turn but your mind starts to drift you know what i'm saying you ever do that anybody play cards okay monopoly okay monopoly <laughs> but but you're sitting there and you're and it's your t- and and you're waiting for your turn and then you're wondering why nobody's going and then all of a sudden you realize oh it's my turn <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like oh okay here i'll put down and I'll keep going because what are you doing? Your mind is kind of just drifting. You're not realizing it's you're, you're thinking you're waiting for something to happen so you can play your card. And it turns out it's your turn. It's your turn already. And I just want to tell you this. This is what I want to say in a nutshell. 2023, man, it's your turn. It's your turn to be sold out to God, to live sold out to God like you've been one to. Come on, you know you've had your hand on it. You know you're going to go there someday. I'm telling you, 2023 is the year that it's time for you to sell out to God, 100%. It's time to take control of your life. You know, the habits, things that you've maybe let go, just areas you've been sloppy. 2023 is your time, man. It's your turn to take control. Time to take control of your finances. Come on, if you need a, I mean, practical things. You know what I mean? If you need a budget, man, time to get on a budget. Why, why wait? It's your turn. That's what I'm here to say. Today, I want to say it's your turn to receive great things from God. It's your turn. And I don't say that because 2023, you know, it's a new year and somehow it's God's special timing or whatever. I'm not saying that because the big wheels turned in the, in the you know, ap- spiritual atmosphere and now, you know, God's releasing something. I'm saying that just on the basis of the authority of Scripture. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, again, he appoints a certain day. Today. Somebody say today. Today. Is that, is today 2023? January 1st, 2023, right? Today. He appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. 
He said a point. If you read the whole passage, he's talking about a day today where back then they didn't all enter into the promises of God. They didn't enter into salvation. So what has he done? He set a part. He set a day that was coming called today. Did Jesus go to the cross? Did Jesus raise from the dead? Did Jesus make a way for you to go to the father? See, today is the day. This is the day he's talking about. We're living in God's today. I'm not saying that we should get ahead of God, and I'm not saying that he's not actively engaged in the world uh, bringing things to pass, but I'm just saying that today is your day. Today is your today. We are living in God's today. Today. Right now is God's today. Last night, um, bringing in the new year, we referenced this passage from the prophet Haggai, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 7. If you're looking for Haggai, just find Matthew and go back two books. He's a really small book. But um, it says, in the second year of Darius the king. Do you guys say Darius or Darius? Darius. I've heard both. It's kind of like Philemon or Philemon. You've heard both. Yeah, first time I heard Philemon, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Then I found out there's people down here in the South who actually say Philemon. So, so okay. I say Darius because that's the, um, that's the veggie, that's the veggie tale. That's the veggie tale pronunciation. And I'm sure the veggie tale people would have got it right, right? So in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Verse 4, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This is why we read it last night for New Year's, because it said, consider your ways. And, you know, we take a time of reflection oftentimes, the first of the year, to consider things. Consider your ways, reflect on the year, make goals for the year to come. But he said, consider your ways. Verse 6, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You know, what a time of the year to do this, right? You know, take a look, think about, what am I doing? Is it working? Is it, is it uh, you know, is, is, am I getting fruit? Am I getting reward from, from my sowing? Am I reaping what I should be reaping? Or, you know, am I sowing the wrong things? Am I putting my energy and my expense into the wrong things? It's a good time of the year to do that. But I want you to understand this. The prophet Haggai did not come with the prophetic word because the Israelites had everything right. They didn't. You know, they weren't sitting there together worshiping the Lord and and uh, singing songs to him, and then the power of God and the presence of God came into the meeting, and then the word of the Lord came through the prophet wasn't what happened at all. This man had a prophetic word precisely because what precisely because they were doing something wrong. They didn't get a word because God was blessing the meeting. They got a word of correction. They were doing something wrong. See, they were told to build that temple. But listen to this. Like religious people can do. They had figured out a way to not build the temple. 
and still pretend like they were following God. Do you hear me? They had figured out how not to build the temple and still maintain the delusion that they were believing God, that they were in the will of God, that they were in the promise of God. Man, that's a scary place to be. But that's what religion will do to you. It'll make you think you're doing more than you are. Man, we've got a lot of stuff in the church world that make you think you're making progress in the kingdom when you're not. A lot of things that make you think you're more spiritual you are than you're not. Because here's what they're doing. They must have felt real spiritual. They're like, you know, yeah, God told us to build this temple. But, you know, there's a timing for these things. We're just waiting for the Lord. Yeah, I just don't discern in my spirit that it's time yet. Come on. And the prophet says what? These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. But he says, is it a time for you to dwell in houses? Well, this lies in ruin. Consider your ways. And then he goes on. He tells them to go up, cut down wood, and start building the temple. Start building the house. It's time. Come on, 2023, I want to tell you, it's time. Those things that you're waiting for God on, maybe it's your move after all. You know what I'm saying? Maybe everybody's sitting here looking at you, and it's your time to lay down your card. Consider that. Consider your ways. So here they are. They're, they're, they're not building the temple. They're not obeying God, and they think they're pretty spiritual. You know, when the timing for my miracle comes, when God moves on my heart, I'll serve him one day. When he opens the way, yeah, when we'll build the temple when it's time. Man, when's it going to be time? Come on, it's January 1, 2023. If it's not time now, when is it going to be time? We need to stop blaming God for our disobedience. Either we're building the temple or we're not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Either we're cutting down, sawing the logs or we're not. If we're not, let's admit to it. We need to stop blaming God for things that we haven't experienced. It's not his fault. God's not holding out on this. He says, today, if you hear his voice, today, don't harden your heart. We need to learn how to listen to him and obey. Listen and obey. See, they were told to build the temple, but what have we been told to do? What have you been told to do? What have I been told to do? As Christians, as disciples, I don't know, words come to mind. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, heal, make disciples, spread the good news, live clean, holy lives, Live a life of prayer connected to God. Come on, these are all things we're told to do, right? If we're not going to do them today, when are we going to do them? I'm telling you what, it's we're sitting in the game and everybody's looking at you, waiting for you to put down your card so we can get on with this thing. Come on, let's, let's get in the game. Let's get our head in the game. Let's not miss our cue. Let's not miss our opportunity. What are we waiting for? It's God's timing. He says, man, these people are saying they're waiting for my timing, but I already told them to build the temple. I already told them to. Go do it today. You know, the countdown clock last night, how many of you guys watched the countdown somewhere, you know? That last 10 seconds you count down the New Year. I'm telling you, that clock is still counting down. That clock didn't stop running last night at midnight. That clock's still going. 29, 28, 27. You know what I'm saying? Time's ticking away, man. What if this word that Haggai had came in like a, traditional Pentecostal meeting. What would that have looked like? You know what I'm saying? Man, 
you should have been there. The worship was just excellent. The band was on cue. People were worshiping, crying. They were getting their praise on or whatever other silly thing we say that tries to describe what we do. And then the spirit fell and Brother Haggai, he stood up and he had a word of prophecy. Man, people were laid out everywhere. I can't wait for next Sunday. Well, what did he say? Um, well, he said, we're going to build the temple. We just have to consider our ways and wait for God's timing. <laughs> so what he said, he said, no, it's time to build the temple now. But why do we hear things like that? He told them, go, what you need to do right now, you need to go up in the hills and start chopping wood. It's time to go build the temple. So what, what has God told you to do this year? I just want to say, it's time. Go do it. Go get your axe. Go find the tree and just start chopping on it. Just get moving. Good things are in store for us as we step out in obedience. Hebrews 4, 7. Again, he appoints a certain today, today, saying through David, that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Got another one to go with that, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Can you say that with me? Now is the favorable time. Ready? Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, if it's not today, when is it? Come on, let's step into these things today. We are living now in the time of God's favor. Right now, we're living in the day of salvation. It's right now today, January 21st, 2023. January 1st, did I say 21st? January 1st, 20. It'll be the day now then too, unless Jesus comes back and then it'll be over. But see, we're living in a day. It is a, it is a day, it is a time period. It's not gonna last forever. We don't know when he'll come. But right now, he holds out the invitation that if you'll hear his voice and don't harden your heart, man, we can walk in these things for 2023. Come on, that's good, isn't it? Are y'all awake this morning in this Presbyterian church? (laughs) I got to be careful. Rin Kim grew up in a Presbyterian church. And I want to tell you, it's lively. No, it's the funniest thing, really. This, This is wild. It's as quiet as a mouse. You think everybody's asleep. It's just like quiet, and they're talking. They're like talking very softly, and they're reading, and and it's just so quiet. And then they say, it's time for mass prayer. They call this thing mass prayer, where everybody prays together. I'm telling you what, all of a sudden, they go from quiet and what you would think is dead to a Pentecostal church, man. Everybody is praying. Everybody is praying loud. And since I don't speak any of those languages, it sounds like it's tongues, but I don't know. But... uh, and some of it is tongues because they're, they're spirit-filled in her church. I mean, they, they do speak in tongues. They're not against it. But um, I'm just telling you, it just comes alive, man. Like, like you, wish, you wish our church would be sometimes. <laughs> they just turn it on. But they, they do have a structure and an order, and that's why they do what they do. But, um, yeah, thank God. Let me get back on my notes. Look at Matthew, look at Mark, rather. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. This is the story of Jesus when he feeds the 5,000. I just want you to listen to this. It says in uh, 6, 34, he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. I love that right there. He had compassion on them. It means he loved them. He was moved with pity. 
different ways that different translations bring that out. He was his his bowels were open to them. That's one of the King James kind of sounding things. What does that mean? It means he loves you, man. That song we were singing, I am loved, I am loved by you. Come on, he loves you. It's not just, I was talking, having a conversation with my dad the other day about this too, because, you know, we, we make love a principle so often that we miss the fact that there is some warmth to it. You know what I mean? Well, why have we made agape love this principle that, that you know, theologians, the, you let theologians get a hold of anything, they wreck it. You know what I mean? Theologians will tell you, man, God loves because he's good, not because I'm good. Oh, maybe I'm not good, but his heart is still open to me. When he looked at me, he still felt something. He wanted to help. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not just, well, there they are. By principle, I'm going to help them. (laughs) Just get rid of your principles sometimes, you know, and just look at the heart and the emotion and the compassion of God. And here's people who are following him, and he sees them. They came out to meet him, and he has compassion for them. He loves them. He cares about them. And, And why? Why? Look, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He spent time with them. And it grew late, and his disciples said to them, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away. Go out into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And this is the verse I want you to hear today. He answered them, you give them something to eat. (laughs) You do it. And then they go on, you know, shall we go on and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? I don't know where they were going to buy it. But here's this great need, this great multitude. They're all hungry. They've been out here following him, and they don't have any food, and and, uh, they're concerned. They say to Jesus, man, we need to dismiss, you know, logistical problem here, right? You know, we don't want people being hurt on the way home, being passed out, being faint. let's, Let's dismiss them now and send them, you know, like the disciples knew better than Jesus. Like, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. You're probably... Right. Now, you could say that to me, Mary. You could say that to me. And I'd be like, I never thought of that. You're probably right. But Jesus, he knew what was going on. Man, when you're doing the things of God, you don't have to worry about all the little details all the time. God has a way of taking care of things for you. He really does. And so they say, send them away. Send them out to the countryside, to the villages so they can find some food. And he says, you give them something to eat. You know, we're at the stage... um, there's Benjamin. We're at the stage. Hi, Benjamin. How are you? I'm going to talk about you. Okay. We're at the stage with, with him where, where um, we're trying to get him to do more things on his own. You know what I mean? Like, put my shoes on. No, you put your shoes on. <laughs> right? Tie my shoes. No, well, he doesn't know how to tie them just yet. But anyway, we're working on it. You know, brush my teeth. No, you brush your teeth. You know, we're trying to get him. And, you know, uh, so, you know, if you've ever worked with kids or had kids, you know that um, uh, it's inconvenient sometimes, especially when you're in a hurry. It's just better to do it yourself. It really is. Right. But if you don't, if you always do it yourself, how are they going to ever learn how to put the shoes on? Right. So what you do, if you have time, you know, you, you, you do it. I'll help you. Let me watch you. You encourage them. Why? Because you want them to learn how to do it for themselves. You, you don't want to have to do it for them forever. Also, also, you want them to live up to their potential, right? Come on, you want them to learn things, not just the shoes, everything. You want them to live up to their potential and do what they're able to do in life. You want to stretch them. You want to stretch their imagination. You want them to 
expand their thinking so that they do not see not having shoes on as a problem anymore. It's not an impossible thing to overcome, tying my shoes or putting my shoes on. No, you want them to see that? No big deal. We could take care of this, right? And so Jesus tells the disciples, you feed them. They said, send them away so they could eat. He goes, no, you feed them. You do it. Why? Because he's teaching them. He wants them to know how this kingdom operates. Here's how you do this. He wants them as his followers to reach their potential. He wants them to know they can do this. This is not a problem. He doesn't want them to see their circumstances out there in that desolate place as a big problem. If my kid's shoes become untied while they're playing, it's a big problem. It's a big problem because they can't do anything without my help. But he doesn't want his disciples to see this circumstance in the wilderness as a big problem. He wants to stretch them. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he wanted them to be able to see themselves as being able to meet the need. He wanted them to take responsibility for the situation. And just like you would want for your kids, he wanted them to grow up. He wanted them to grow up. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to carry responsibility. He wants us to grow up. You know, if, he, if we couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told us to do it. Whatever he's told us to do. I think Jesus would have been happy if he'd been like, come on, Andrew, come on, Philip. I just got a couple of loaves, but let's just start giving them out and see how far they go. I don't think that would have bothered Jesus at all. What have you got in your hand? Go use it. Just put it to work right now and watch God multiply it. But you sit on it and hold it. Why would it ever multiply? Are you going to just sit on that, that loaf of bread and just wait until it expands to something big enough to feed? No, put it to work right now. You know, that was just a, was a, I don't know in this context, can't remember if it was the five loaves or two fishes or the seven and the whatever. But I mean, it was just a handful of food, man. Just a little bit when Jesus started to break it and hand it out. Just take what you have in your hand today and put it to work. Amen? Man, it's your, it's, your, it's your turn. Put what you've got to work today and watch it grow. A quote by a, a book I read, um, um, her name was Mrs. C. Newsom. She said, every day use all the faith you have and then watch it multiply. Faith is something that you don't get to hoard up. You don't get to keep it forever and it grows and grows and grows. You, you, you develop your faith the same way you develop your muscles, man. You use it. You use it. Some of us, our faith is atrophy for lack of use. And it's time to get in the game, man. It's your turn. Play your card. Get it out there. Now, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to carry responsibility. So let's get busy doing what he told us to do. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 16, King Asa, I believe that's the name of the king in this context, uh, he, was, he used to walk with God. God used him mightily. God brought deliverance to Israel through him. But in his later life, he, he quit looking to God. He started doing things on his own. And the Lord's bringing him correction. He actually became crippled in his feet. And the Bible says that he didn't look to the Lord to help. He looked to the doctors. And this is what God said to him. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the, throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. And then he goes on with his rebuke. You have done foolishly in this, and from now on, you will have wars. I'm just telling you, God is looking for somebody who will take up his cause that he can join with and make himself strong in you and through you. He is. He was looking for Asa to take the first step toward him, and he would have met him. 
and brought deliverance again to Israel, would have brought healing to his feet because he was healed before by God and he knew it. That's what the, that's what the, the, if you read the whole story, that's the puzzling thing. He was healed by God and now here he's, he's got another sickness and he didn't even look to God. In the Holman or the Christian Standard Bible, that same verse says, the eyes of the Lord roam to, roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly devoted to him. See, Asa lost his heart for God. We can't do that. We've got to be strong. We've got to stay, stay, keep our hearts tuned to him because he is looking for someone who will believe him. He is looking for someone who will step out in faith. He's looking for someone who will break that first piece of bread, even though it's just a small loaf in your hand, and start handing it out. And he's looking for somebody to do that in faith and show himself strong. Man, what do you have right now that will meet the needs of somebody that God has compassion for? And let me tell you, he has a lot more compassion for people than we do. We're not going to go wrong by loving people, amen? So this was actually a word of rebuke. God told King Asa, you could have had my help, but you didn't seek me for it. And so from now on, there's going to be wars in Israel. People are going to die. Lands are going to be destroyed. Families are going to be broken. Homes are going to be destroyed. Why? Because you didn't seek me. Would he have helped? Yeah. It wasn't some spiritual thing. It wasn't like it wasn't time for God to help. All he had to do was seek him. Stay close to him. I'm telling you, in 2023, if you will seek him with your whole heart, man, what can he do through you and in you? It's your move. It's your move. You know, when Moses led the Israelites through the, through the sea, they were set free, you know? Remember the, the uh, see the Lord's salvation. These Israelites that you see today, you shall never see them again. So they go through the sea, the, the sea closes up, the Egyptian army, they're gone, man, they're wiped out. Never see them again until they wash up on the shore dead, you know what I mean? Awesome time, you know? It's the kind of service you would look at today and say, wow, man, that's a great service, because they were singing, they were dancing, Miriam was playing the tambourine, and Moses and the people were singing, and they were going off. But then what happened? <laughs> the wilderness years. They were left. The, come on, the Egyptian army was defeated, gone, wiped out. Now all you got to do is deal with yourselves. <laughs> come on. I think we give the devil too much credit sometimes when we're really dealing with ourselves. I think sometimes the devil's complaining, man, they're blaming me for everything. <laughs> and the devil's like, I had nothing to do with it. Twenty twenty three. Let this be a year where we deal with ourselves. Amen. God has defeated Satan. He went to the cross. He basically punched the devil's lights out. Now, what are you going to do with that victory? He didn't do it for himself. You understand? Jesus had no problem with the devil in heaven, seated with God in heaven. Devil was not bothering him. He came down and did it for us. On the cross, he took the evil, he took the darkness, he absorbed it into himself, he bore it away from us, he defeated Satan on the cross for you and for me, just the same as those Egyptian soldiers were gone, man. Now, what are we going to do about it? 
I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. A horse and rider thrown into this. Anybody sing that song? You all know that? Yeah, this is one of our kids' church songs back in the day. Man, that's what they were singing there on the other side of the, on the, other side of the sea. And then they had to go into the wilderness, man, and deal with themselves. The Egypt, Egypt was no longer a problem. Every problem they had from then on was within. The people grumbling, complaining, dissatisfied. Come on. But here's the thing. You know, even in the desert, man, they didn't, the manna didn't fall forever. The water didn't come out of the rock forever. They were moving somewhere. God was taking them to a place. He was taking them into the promised land. See, we have got to transition ourselves out of this wilderness thinking, and we've got to get ourselves into living in the blessing of God, living in the reality of what Jesus has done on the cross. Today is the day of salvation. We can live under heaven's blessing today. We're not waiting for God to shift the gears in heaven and turn the valves or whatever and dump something on us. He's already done it. It's your move. We can press into him today. We can seek him. He'll be found by us if we will seek him. I'm telling you, in 2023, we can have as much of God as we want. That's what I'm trying to say. We can have as much of God as we are willing to go after. Because why? Draw near to him, he draws near to you. Seek him and he'll be found by you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For he who asks, receive. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door shall be open. I just got to be honest, man. You look at people, you look at my own life. This is not picking on anybody. But you, you say, man alive, it just seems like I need some more from God. Well, have you asked? Well, if, if God's word is true, evidently I didn't ask. <laughs> have you sought? If God's word is true, evidently I didn't seek. Because if I seek, I find. If I ask, I receive. If I knock, the door is open. Man, let's make 2023 a year of asking, seeking, and knocking. He wants us to grow up and be good stewards of the blessing that he's given us. He told them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Let's take responsibility. He's stretching them. He's trying to get them out of this wilderness thinking, right? He's trying to renew their minds. Here's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the blessing, you know? Jesus is the manna from heaven. You have Jesus. You have all that you need. I'm here, I'm in the wilderness, and I want to give the people bread. Come on, what wilderness are you in? There's there's bread in the wilderness for you. Believe him, believe him. It's time to grow up. It's time to get rid of the wilderness thinking, time to renew our minds, to see ourselves as heaven's ambassadors. Come on, because today is the day of salvation. He doesn't want us to be children forever. You know, the more responsibility you take in life, the greater impact you'll have in the world. Do you realize that? Think about that. The more responsibility you take in life, the more impact you will have in this world. That was a hard thing for me. It took me a lot of years to get to that point because I liked, I, I liked, yeah, I didn't want to be tied down to anything. I kind of wanted to be free. I thought it was more spiritual to be free. And, you know, I think there's a time in your life where you need to be free. And, and follow God, and, and you need to go through a process to understand what God has for you. But I know people who are like, they wake up on Sunday morning, and they say, God, do you want me to go to church today? Where do you want me to go to church today? 
because I need to be free. And, and don't get me wrong, you need to be free. If, if God wakes you up and tells you to go somewhere and meet somebody or do something and it's a Sunday morning and it's assignment from God, you go, man. You go. You have my, you know, my blessing. You have the blessing of this church if you're following God. But I want to tell you, you know, how is that useful to the church? We need to be people that can be relied upon. We need to be people that can be counted upon. If you can't be counted upon, how could you ever come to a place of real influence in the community you're serving, in, the, in your world? Think about that. Um, when I was, uh, uh, I did the, the, an internship in New York City where they did the sidewalk Sunday school. Many of you know that. And I remember Bill Wilson, the, the founder and leader up there, he would have a staff meeting every Friday. And uh, I mean, when I say staff meeting, it'd be like hundreds of people, volunteers and, and paid staff in the staff meeting. Terry, you've been to a staff meeting? Yeah, they're great. And, and he, he shared one time about, he said, it's like a pyramid. He said, the higher you up you go in responsibility, the less freedom you have. When you're down here on the bottom, you've got all this lateral. You can do whatever. But if you're going to have people to start depending on you uh, and relying on you, you move up this pyramid. Don't think about it as a hierarchy, like I have more authority. Think I have more restriction because why? I've taken on this responsibility. But look at the influence that you now have. See, you increase your influence when you take responsibility. We need to be dependable. I love this church. You know, I love how this church has just taken responsibility for Monica. It was really, you, you women have just done a tremendous job. If you don't know who she is, five years ago, she, she was part of our church, her and her husband, and two, three kids? Three kids. And uh, she was part of our church. And uh, it was a car accident, wasn't it? Or no, it was a stroke. It was a stroke. She had a stroke, man, became paralyzed, and, and it just upended her world and, and, and messed up her family relationship and everything. And I'm just telling you what, this church has adopted her. This church, I mean, we, we missed a little bit of time in COVID, but, man, I just love that. You guys have taken the responsibility, you know, where she can't come to church. I mean, you guys go and you take church to her. And then, you know, this year, what happened to a, a, a man named Carl? Um, you guys adopted him too. He was sitting there watching y'all's conversation as Rin Kim tells me the story. Feel free if you were there to correct me if I'm wrong, but they, y'all prayed with him, led him to the Lord. He got saved. And now you guys visit two people over there. Guess what I'm talking about? But look at your influence. When you take responsibility, look how your influence, I'm just telling you that, 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 that care center is open to us. If somebody wanted to go there and have service every Sunday or one time away, they would let us because they love us because of you guys taking responsibility. Come on, that's an awesome thing. That's a beautiful thing. It started, you know, with the women's group. Well, actually, to be honest with you, Rinkum and I used to live right there. When it first happened, we lived there, and we would go see her regularly. But then we moved, and then COVID hit, so we all kind of dropped away. And I was so happy when the women's ministry started picked that back up. That was wonderful. And then right um, the day before Christmas, uh, George and Rita went. So, Man, if, if it's in your heart to go be a part of that, talk to Mary or Rin Kim or somebody and, and, and go meet them. There, there's awesome taking responsibility. The food distribution that we do, we help Zach and Jody uh, with the Living Hope Community Church. Every, uh, consistent, second Saturday every month, they give away hundreds of boxes of food to their community. And I want to tell you, the Elliott family there, you guys have really taken ownership of that. Every Saturday, 
they can count on us. You know, when when oh, there was one Saturday, it was funny. I was actually a day off and I could go, but I, I thought I wasn't going to make it there. And I, I mean, what do I do? I called Zach or I texted him and I said, man, are you guys covered? Because I know they have other volunteers. Are you covered? Because if people can't count on you, what good are you? <laughs> you know, if I can't trust that you're going to be here to help me, I, I, I just don't count you, right? But if I can count on you, I know I can make plans for you being here, right? So when I can't be there, man, I call them or I let them know ahead of time, are you covered? Do I need to rearrange my schedule so that you're helped? I don't want to leave you stranded. You know what I'm saying? It's important. Last time we went there, um, uh, Rick, I know you did it, but he asked me to go pray with the cars, you know? And uh, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be interesting. As they go through the food line and get their box, then then they have a couple people standing there to pray with people. And you, you never know what you're going to get when you go into those cars. But I'm telling you what, we were crying and snotting and thanking God and pray. I mean, I, I met some Pentecostals in those cars, man, praying and believing God for things. And I'll tell you, it, it honestly, it gave me some encouragement uh, because I thought, our community was more closed to the gospel than it ended up being. I'm sure there were some people who just rolled up their window and waved and drove by. I was surprised how many people stopped and wanted prayer, wanted a blessing. It was a beautiful thing. But you know what? We, 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 when we take on these things, we want to be consistent, reliable, dependable. You know, you guys are so faithful and dependable in your giving. You know, 30 to 40 missionaries, what's the count now? 40? 40 close to 40? Huh? 35? 35 missionaries rely on our gift from Emmanuel every month to keep them on the field. We couldn't do that unless you were giving faithfully. Thank you. It makes us, it, look, at, look at the increased influence that this little church has in the world just by being in this relationship with these missionaries. And in addition to that, if you remember back in the beginning of the year, uh, Randy Carter came and took up an offering for Priority One. And we were able to give an offering. We gave $3,000 to build that Bible school in Tanzania. And then um, a little while later, um, do you remember when Dan Webb came from LifeBridge? And he shared with us, and we took up an offering um, to build that pavilion in Indonesia. You know, we were able to give $5,000 to that. Yeah, praise God, because you guys are faithful. We had the money to give to that. You guys gave in the offering, and we added a little more to it. But praise God. But look at the influence. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. They built that thing. He went over there and dedicated. I mean, it was like that fast. It's done. They're having church in that pavilion. And other ministries are using it. And by the way, next week, next Sunday, don't miss, Dan's going to come back and he's going to bring us some pictures and stuff and show us what, what you guys have done over there. Because he's been there and they dedicated it and, and uh, it, it went great. So he's going to preach next Sunday. Make sure you're here. And then also, we were able to give $5,000 to help Andrea. You know Andrea, our missionary? We to help her buy a car. On her new assignment over there in Romania, um, they asked her to have a car. Well, you know, if you're a missionary and you're living overseas, you can't just, you know, go take an extra job and save up money. You know what I mean? If somebody doesn't give it to you, where do you get it from? And, and I, I don't know if I'm supposed to know this or not, but I found out also that before she went on the field, she gave away a car. She gave, is that right, Kaylee? She gave her car away and just said, when I need one, God will take care of me. <laughs> and look, God used us to take care of her. 
And I know just from talking to her, she's going to use it for ministry and other people are going to use it for ministry. And it's going to get, it's going to get used, man, for the kingdom of God. I mean, just what a blessing. And that's because why? Because you guys are faithful. You guys are reliable. You guys are dependable. That's what I'm saying. Look at how your influence in the world increases when you're consistent, when we grow up, when we just step into these things. That's what being responsible can do. You know, I'd love to, um, sometimes we feel like we're getting a little tight here in church, especially when we all come together at the same time and eat or something. But I'm just telling you what, it's because of the, the responsibility of, of, of uh, the leadership here and the board that, you know, we're saying, man, let's wear out this building. Let's use this building. Because I would rather be doing stuff like that than making a big building payment, wouldn't you? Yeah. We're going to get a building when we need one. When, when, when we can't fit in here anymore, when we're busting at the seams, when we're standing in the back, yeah, we'll have what we need when we need it. I believe that. But right now, man, I love the idea that we can give and make a difference in the world. Come on, that's what being faithful means. You know, If you have children or teens in this church, thank the workers, man. Thank Tara for the youth and, and uh, Dawn downstairs and Jackie who works with the youth. Jackie bounces all over the place and Crystal and um, Amanda. Man, thank them because I'm telling you what, I had a meeting with somebody um, a year ago and we were just looking at our church one year ago. And we said, you know, right now, if two families visited Emmanuel with kids, would we be able to have a place for them to be? <laughs> would we be able to absorb them? Would we be able to have this? That's what we asked. That was our question. And so we were making these contingency plans. I'm telling you what, because of your guys' faithfulness, giving us the best children's ministry possible, we can do that now. And in fact, not only can we, we have. We've had visitors come in the summertime. And even uh, if you remember the family who came for a while from Texas with special needs, man, and you guys could meet the needs. Thank you. That's what being faithful is. That's what being dependable is. God's blessing our church because of what? Faithfulness for growing up, for stepping into these things. Come on, let's, let's do more of it this year. Amen. Are you with me? So when you see these, and I mean, I know, I know uh, Dawn's traveling today and, and Amanda's, Amanda couldn't make it, but when you see them, thank them. Even if you don't have kids, thank them. Thank them because we need this. When people come, they, we need to be able to uh, uh, serve families that come. Amen? We need that. It's important. Nothing is not important. Boy, I could go on forever. I, don't, I think I probably need to wrap this thing up. We all talk about, let me just, let me close with this thought right here. We talk about um, um, having authority. And I know I grew up in an era where there was a lot of teaching on your authority in Christ. And it's good, it's right, it's true. You have been given authority. Jesus says, behold, I've given you authority over all the power of serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You have authority first in your own life to resist the devil. You also have authority to use it to serve other people. But we talk about authority all the time. But you know, authority and responsibility go together, right? There's no authority without responsibility. Think about the story of the centurion, Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read this, 8 verse 5. 
When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him. This is a soldier, okay? This man is a soldier. He thinks like a soldier. He is a soldier. He's over uh, troops. He's also under authority. And this man comes to Jesus appealing to him. And he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, Jesus says, before he could say anything else, Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. Look at his compassion. Come on. That's good. I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Listen to verse nine. This is profound. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. What does this mean? I am under authority. I am under authority. It means he's been given a charge. A commission, right? It means when this man speaks, he doesn't just speak for himself. He speaks for Rome. You get what I'm trying to say? As long as he's speaking for Rome, Rome will back him up. That's why he can say to a soldier, go, and that soldier will go. Because if that soldier doesn't go, there's a whole system there waiting to punish that soldier, right? And he doesn't. what does he have to do? He doesn't have to go and physically make the soldier go. He doesn't have to threaten him necessarily. He says, go, and that soldier knows he must be obeyed. And he says, I too am a man under authority. He recognized that just like I speak for Rome, Jesus speaks for God. That's what he saw. Jesus speaks for God. I too am a man under authority. He's comparing himself to Jesus. So why has this centurion been given this authority? The reason the centurion has authority is because he's been given a responsibility. His responsibility is to go out and advance the interests of the Roman Empire, the Roman army. He's, he works for the Roman army. What their goals are is his goal. What their mission statement is, is his mission statement. Come on, that's good, isn't it? So he has responsibility, not just authority. He has responsibility to promote the interests of Rome. You have authority, and your authority is also in a kingdom. This is where we need to be minded, like soldier-minded. You're under authority, but where does your authority begin and end? Your authority begins and ends when you, it ends when you start speaking for yourself. It begins when you speak for the kingdom of heaven, when you speak for God. That's where your authority is. We have authority, but why? Because we have a responsibility to bring the kingdom to bear in the world. We have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to one another. So this man says, I'm a man under authority. I've got soldiers under me. And you know what Jesus said? He said, this man gets it. He gets it. He looked at his disciples, said, y'all don't get it. He looked at the Pharisees, says, you guys don't get it. But you see this Roman soldier, he gets it. He gets it. And when Jesus heard this, it says, he marveled and said to those who follow him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And the, if you skip down to verse 13, to the centurion, Jesus said, go let it be done for you as you believed. And that servant was healed that very hour. And I just want to talk, talk to you just in closing here. We've been given authority because we've been given responsibility. And 2023, let that be a time when we step in and take up our responsibility. Amen.
Let that be a time when we step in and we do the things. Let this be the time when we take our ax and we go start chopping wood. You know what I mean? Because what's the oldest story in the book is, is Adam. When God said, Adam, what have you done? He's like, not me, my wife, <laughs> giving up that responsibility. And his wife, he's, you know, to Eve, what have you done? Not me, the devil. And if God would have asked the devil, there would have been somebody else to blame. <laughs> it would have went on forever. We're blaming our environment. We're blaming, blaming our upbringing. We're blaming the culture. We're blaming the Democrats. We're blaming the Republicans. We're blaming all these things for why things are. But God says, you're in the kingdom and you're not limited by these things. I want you to realize that even in the wilderness, you can have manna from heaven. And that's what God has for us this year. Are you ready to enter into it? Are you excited about what the new year will bring? Let's do it. Let's do it. Father God, I just thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that you bless it, that you bless us. Lord, that you take us into this fruitful place this year. Lord, that we'll step up and we will shoulder our responsibilities as sons and daughters of the kingdom. That we will stand boldly and, and uh, be able to get our lives in order so that we can stand boldly and look the enemy in the eye and speak for the kingdom of God that we would have the power on our lives to back it up. Father God, I make a commitment to seek you first above all things, trusting that you'll not only take care of my needs, but you'll meet me there. Father God, bless us, bless us as we go out today and uh, bless this upcoming year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.